Hey guys, it's Steve Baker, your friendly neighborhood pragmatic constitutionalist. This is going to be fun. In fact, I don't think I've ever been more excited about any particular podcast or presentation. This one stems from the partly false fact-checking warning label uh, with which Facebook decided to tag my recent review of the November National Institutes of Health publication about the potential dangers of prolonged mask usage. Typically, any fact-check ding really pisses me off, mainly because they are usually either completely dead wrong or they pick one small, petty example of a disputed claim, then label your entire article as false. Obviously, for any content creator on the major social media platforms. The net result of that is either penalizing reach restrictions, demonetization, disabling of ad accounts, deleted content, or even total deplatforming. In this particular case, I was similarly angry when I first saw it. While it was the first such ding on our new mirror page, uh, which is called Steve Baker dash TBC. It only came with a warning this time and no further reach restrictions. But on our primary page, the Pragmatic Constitutionalists, they hit me with further increased throttling of our reach after this new partly false claim. I I won't bother revisiting some of our previous fact-checking absurdities as I've covered them all ad nauseum. Suffice it to say, I've had many battles uh, with their support staff, even proving to them on occasion that I was errantly fact-checked. But because I refused to go through their specifically required appeal process, which, (laughs) believe it or not, actually requires me to apologize to the fact-checking agency itself. No, I'm not kidding. I've just never complied. I've even had an opinion piece fact-checked by another opinion piece. It's absurd. You can't appeal someone else's opinion. This time, I'm kind of excited by the partly false claim from their fact-checker for two reasons. First of all, they are dead wrong again, and I'm going to prove that to you over the next few minutes. And second, their partly false claim, which covers only one minor little aspect of the entire paper, puts Facebook and the fact-checking agency in the unintended position of inadvertently validating the remainder of the paper's research, literally allowing the more important aspects of the paper to stand unopposed. The bottom line is, almost in toto, the claims that the masks can be both physiologically and psychologically harmful remain unchallenged. As such, I'm going to break with a couple of my most recent policies, and I will actually this time be posting the video version of this podcast not just in our locals community, but also directly to Facebook and directly to our YouTube page, Uh, something that I've discontinued doing recently. The audio version will, of course, also be up on all the major podcast platforms as usual. Also, the complete transcript of this particular podcast with all the supporting research links will also be available on both our blog page, thepragmaticconstitutionalist.com, and in our locals community at thepragmaticconstitutionalist.locals.com. So you will get access to the transcript and all the links this time. I'm not going to include the transcript directly to Facebook. 
because you know the offending words will be flagged by some artificial intelligence bot anyway, and they'll simply auto-generate the alleged fact-checker's previous response. Regardless, you know that one of our trolls will also likely alert Facebook to the offensive language, you know, in either the video or audio versions of the podcast or to the links to the manuscript or the transcript. So I'll essentially be doing a saturation bombing campaign on all of our social media platforms, reposting each and every link of this podcast. I, I hope that you will join me in liking and sharing and ringing the bell and blah, 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 and otherwise helping me make noise with this particular podcast. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to back down. Not when they blatantly lie. And this, you know, may very well be the final straw that gets the main TPC page deplatformed. De- I don't know. That said, if you follow the main TPC page, please go and like and follow our backup page. As I said before, at Steve Baker TPC on Facebook, so that we don't lose touch when you know the inevitable finally takes place. Okay. Let me begin by introducing you to the specific fact checker who labeled my piece this time as partly false. If you click on the CY link that Facebook provides to the falsely or uh, the partly false claim, you'll see the person who dinged me is someone called Alexis Terezic. She's described as a writer and fact checker at Lead Stories and an award-winning journalist who spent over a decade breaking hard news and celebrity scoop with Radar Online and Us Weekly. As the entertainment editor, she investigated Hollywood stories and conducted interviews with A-list celebrities and reality stars. One of her LinkedIn endorsements says the following... Alexis is a super experienced entertainment reporter with rock-solid sources and a deep insider knowledge of Hollywood, but she's also an engaging and versatile TV personality able to talk about crime and celebrity gossip with equal intelligence, depth, and when appropriate, wit. Wow. I got fact-checked by an entertainment and celebrity gossip columnist, not a medical journalist. Okay, all right, fair enough. I'm not a medical professional either. I'm a musician by trade. I just happen to be a musician with the additional habit of, you know, voracious reading and research, some, you know, level of writing acumen, and I also understand the math. As such, and like most anyone else, I sometimes get things wrong. I'll make mistakes. And when I do, I'll issue the appropriate corrections. This time, that's not the case. And it's something I will detail very specifically as this presentation progresses. Suffice it to say, though, if they are going to come at me with any credible authority, how about putting a medical journalist on my ass? Not a celebrity and entertainment writer, hmm? Honestly, I couldn't help letting out a big chuckle when I read Alexis Terezic's byline. I'll I'll come back to some of her specific assertions later, but let's first talk about the specific paper in question. The offending publication was taken directly from the National Institutes of Health website. That link is provided in the transcript. For those of you 
not familiar with this particular U.S. government agency, they are the very agency that writes and signs Dr. Anthony Fauci's paycheck. Fauci is the director of the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is one of the 27 health agencies under the National Institutes of Health, or NIH. All of the fact-checkers, including Snopes, have attempted to discredit this paper in a variety of ways. The, the Snopes link is also in the transcript. Now, the Snopes false rating starts out by discrediting not the content of the paper itself, but the claims of many others who shared the link that this was a Stanford research paper. Now, I never made any such claim or even referenced the author Baruch Vainshel Boehm's brief connection with Stanford as a researcher in an unrelated topic. Anyone who made that claim could fairly be dinged for that errant assertion. As I said, I made no such claim, but Snopes doesn't stop there. Their initial discrediting synopsis reads as follows. The paper was published by an exercise physiologist with no academic connection to Stanford University or the NIH in a journal that accepts radical, speculative, and non-mainstream scientific ideas. Now, the journal to which they're referring is called Medical Hypothesis, and that was the originating platform for this paper. But what Snopes failed to point out was that this particular paper was then first submitted to the NIH on October 24th of 2020. Then a revised edition was resubmitted to NIH on October the 28th. And then the final approved draft was accepted by NIH as a peer-reviewed document on November 19th of 2020. Snopes purposefully ignored these facts, still referring only to the original website of origin, only saying that despite this journal's lack of traditional peer review, blah, blah, blah. Once again, had Snopes actually clicked on the supportive links on the NIH website where the paper was published, they would have read the following. And I quote, PMC a division of NIH, is a repository of content primarily from two sources, peer-reviewed journals that overall have met MLM standards for PMC and peer-reviewed author manuscripts deposited in compliance with the public access policy of NIH or other collaborating funders. Again, I have the link provided in the transcript. Of course, Snopes attempts to discredit the author himself by pointing out the quote-unquote tight-filled abstract. In fact, let me tell you what Snopes actually said. And I quote, The paper asserts in a typo-filled abstract that it comprehensively summarizes scientific evidences, and then they go sick, with respect to wearing face masks in the COVID-19 era providing prosper sick, information for public health and decisions sick making. Then Snopes follows up with the catty, insulting comment, and I quote, Evidently, the bar for 
coherently expressed is not very high. Now, what Snopes also failed to mention is that Baruch Weinshelbohim, the paper's author, speaks at least four languages, Hebrew, Russian, Portuguese, and English, English not being his primary language. You know, since the very beginning of this COVID crisis, and especially since embarking on the book project about COVID-19, I've read hundreds of research papers already. Many of these are published by people for whom English is not their primary language, and many of those are filled with, you know, common and expected mistakes of tenses and other grammatical errors. It's very common, but, you know, when you can't discredit the research itself, it's always better to find petty grammar mistakes and use those to attempt to discredit the author, right? Well, that's what Snopes did. So, what was my fact checker's specific beef, earning me the partly false warning label? Well, Alexis Terezuk, the entertainment writer, wrote, and I quote, While it is true that hypercapnia can be life-threatening, the claim that it can be caused by wearing face masks, either surgical masks or respirators, is unsupported and runs contrary to existing evidence. Hmm. Are you absolutely sure about that, Alexis? Well, first, what is hypercapnia? Simply defined in all the medical journals, hypercapnia is a buildup of carbon dioxide in your bloodstream. Once again, hypercapnia is a buildup of carbon dioxide in your bloodstream. The claim from the author of the NIH published paper is, and I quote, one of the potential health consequences of mask wearing is hypercapnia. Now, Alexis, the fact checker, she quotes from healthfeedback.org in her retort saying, and this is a direct quote, Wearing a surgical mask for short periods of time does not impact significantly physiological respiratory variables. And healthcare workers wear both types of masks for long hours at work without reported impacts to their work performance. Okay, link is in the transcript. But listen closely to what a representative from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, you know, the CDC, told a Reuters fact checker who was also arriving at a similar partly false conclusion on the same topic. He said, the CO2 will slowly build up in the mask over time. However, the level of CO2 likely to build up in the mask is mostly tolerable to people exposed to it. It's mostly tolerable. Link is in the transcript. In other words, for the general public, Increased CO2 due to wearing masks would be less likely to cause complications like hypercapnia than to a health worker who wear masks for longer stents. And this is backed up by a small NIH published study in 2006 that looked at healthcare workers wearing N95 masks during the 2003 SARS epidemic. It concluded that the use of N95 masks may cause the healthcare workers to develop headaches and wearing them for shorter amounts of time may reduce the frequency and the severity of the headaches. Link in the transcript. Now comes the good stuff. Ready? 
The British Medical Journal in April last year, 2020, issued the following statements regarding the potential side effects of mask wearing. And I quote, Face masks make breathing more difficult. For people with COPD, face masks are in fact intolerable to wear as they worsen their breathlessness. Moreover, a fraction of carbon dioxide previously exhaled is then inhaled at each respiratory cycle. These two phenomena increase breathing frequency and deepness, and hence they increase the amount of inhaled and exhaled air. This may worsen the burden of COVID-19 if infected people wearing masks spread more contaminated air. This may also worsen the clinical condition of infected people if the Enhanced breathing pushes the viral load down into their lungs. That link is in the transcript. Again, what is hypercapnia? Hypercapnia is a buildup of carbon dioxide in your bloodstream. So, this comes from health.com. And I quote, Someone wearing an N95 mask for a prolonged period of time may have alterations in their blood chemistry that could lead to changes in level of consciousness if severe. Infectious disease expert Amesh A. Adalja, MD, senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security in Maryland, tells health.com. But it's most likely to happen to those who are already predisposed to breathing difficulties, such as smokers, obese people, or individuals with COPD or emphysema. Kelly Randall, MD, an internist and medical advisor at Airflow Healthcare, tells health.com that prolonged use of any face mask including the N95 respirator, has not been shown to cause carbon dioxide toxicity in healthy people. But because breathing is slightly harder with a mask, I do recommend that people who suffer from severe COPD or other lung diseases that make breathing difficult carefully consider the use of face masks. That link is in the transcript. All right, one more. And this one is directly from the clinical trials link, again, on the NIH website. This is from a study that began in August of 2003 and ended in June of 2005. And this one is brutally direct in its language. And I quote, Wearing N95 masks results in hypo-oxygen I'm going to laugh over this word. Uh, oxygenemia results in hypooxygenemia and hypercapnia, which reduce working efficiency and the ability to make correct decisions. It goes on to say medical staff are at increased risk of getting severe acute respiratory syndrome or SARS. Therefore, wearing N95 masks is highly recommended by experts worldwide. However, dizziness, headache, and shortness of breath are commonly experienced by the medical staff wearing N95 masks. The ability to make correct decisions may be hampered too. The purpose of the study was therefore to evaluate the physiological impact of N95 masks on medical staff. Link 
is in the transcript. But allow me to repeat from this NIH published study. Wearing N95 masks results in hypooxygenemia and hypercapnia, the offending word, which reduce working efficiency and the ability to make correct decisions. Again, what did the original NIH paper's author say? He said that hypercapnia, the buildup of carbon dioxide, is one of the potential health consequences. He didn't say it was absolute. He did not say that it would affect everyone. He didn't say that wearing you know, a cloth mask for 15 seconds before you're seated at your you know, restaurant table would you know, cause hypercapnia. But according to professionals all over the world, prolonged wearing of N95 masks by healthcare professionals and especially by persons with COPD, smokers, obese people, those with emphysema or other lung diseases might be at risk. I mean, how much more clear can it be? The entertainment writer who fact-checked me did not do her homework. Neither did Snopes or Reuters. As you can see, I've provided but a small sampling of the studies that directly contradict their fact-checked label of partly false on my review of that NIH-published paper. More to the point, though, <laughs> they just said it was partly false. They did not contradict at all the other potential physiological and psychological harms related to prolonged mask-wearing, namely the paper's listed potential physiological effects, which are the following. Shortness of breath, increase lactate concentration, decline in pH levels, acidosis, toxicity, inflammation, self-contamination, increase in stress hormones level, increased muscle tension, and immunosuppression. They didn't contradict the potential psychological effects, which include activation of fight-or-flight stress response, chronic stress condition, fear, mood disturbances, insomnia, fatigue, compromised cognitive performance. Neither did they contradict or fact-check or label as partly false many of the other potential health consequences which were listed in that paper, which include... Increased predisposition for viral and infection illnesses, headaches, anxiety, depression, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer disease, exacerbation of existing conditions and diseases, accelerated aging process, health deterioration, and premature mortality. Facebook's partly false fact-check label regarding potential hypercapnia is not only wrong, but left standing as correct all the other assertions made in that paper, which the National Institutes of Health felt was worthy of publishing on their own damn website. So thank you, Facebook, and your fact-checker, Alexis Terezic, for allowing the opportunity for this lowly, 
hack trumpet player to make you both look foolish in your ongoing attempts to restrict and censor free speech and open, honest, scientific debate on this critical issue. You know, one day, soon I hope, I expect that Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube censorship on so many discussions uh, of this disease in particular will reveal they've contributed to the premature deaths of thousands who were too frightened by the approved one-sided narratives that did not make exceptions for their own particular health issues. Some of our followers who actually tried to share that previous piece, they were hit with a block from Facebook. I had many people send this one to me. This particular block uh, from Facebook actually read, and I quote, We encourage free expression but don't allow false information about COVID-19 that contributes to physical harm. Well, guess what? Treating us, mature adults like children, who you know, can't understand the very basics of the English language, you know, of such words like potential, might, and maybe, is absolutely ridiculous. Worse, Hiding or labeling as false, very important, proven medical concepts, or even, you know, just both sides of disputed medical findings, for instance, that masking might be very detrimental to people with certain conditions, you know, that should be criminal. Do you think that Facebook has ever heard of the medical concept of, you know, getting a second opinion and then after so doing, being able to make a fully informed choice about your own health shame on you facebook twitter and youtube i hope you pay dearly for this ongoing bullshit all right this is the part where i say please join our tpc locals community where you'll see all of our posts unlike on shadow banning platforms like facebook twitter youtube and others and where we, on Locals, engage in honest discussions of all sides of the sciences and politics, and we do so without censorship. Here's that link. It's thepragmaticconstitutionalist.locals.com. That's our new home. Everything begins there and then spreads out throughout the social media universe from our Locals community. It's free to subscribe, so please join us today. Thanks for joining me on this particular podcast, and I hope that uh, whatever version of it you see, whether you see it from Facebook, from uh, YouTube, or from our Locals page, I hope that you share it everywhere. Thanks a bunch. I look forward to talking to you again soon.